10% payback based on their R&D expenses. So they, they think their last step is, you know, running the payroll, hiring an employee, coming out with a product. We want to create the other last step, which is let's take a look at your expenses. Maybe, maybe beyond just having an expense on, a, on your profit and loss, we can convert that into an R&D tax credit. Let's, let's stop the planning. If we can use it for the payroll tax credit, that'd be great, or else against income taxes. So, so we do a lot of planning, phone calls, exchange information. So, and I would also want to say that we use uh, technology. We do a lot of Zoom and teleconference. We record a lot of our discussions and our interviews. Every single thing we do is to save time for the client. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, a serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Now, today we have another great uh, expert episode uh, today. It'll be with uh, Michael and Eric Pradicini, or as close as I can to pronouncing their name. Um, <laughs> but a few things um, that we'll go over is uh, one that is maybe not as uh, sexy of an area as far as experts, but definitely has an impact both on the bottom line and one that uh, can impact a business, especially if you're a startup or small business, which can be a lot to do with tax credits and more particularly a lot to do with R&D tax credits, kind of what is a tax credit? How do you get, you know, what, how you might qualify, what you might want to consider and kind of how you might anticipate that and kind of what, or, and have a good discussion from there. So with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Eric and Michael. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. So now before we dive into all of the, the excitement of uh, tax credits and kind of what that all entails, maybe just give kind of the audience a, a two or three minute overview, a bit of your background and a little bit why you're an expert and why they should trust and listen to you. Sure, sure. So thank you again for the time here today. And I'm going to go ahead of Eric, uh, if you don't mind. <laughs> I guess I'll start off with my credentials that I am a CPA, so I'm a certified public accountant, but mm. I'm also a chemical engineer. So those credentials, and law, in addition to my experience, makes me considered uh, an expert for the R&D tax credits. Mm. Uh, I'm lucky enough to spend uh, a little bit over five years working at a public accounting firm, but that's really where everything got started. And it's a fabulous uh, opportunity to, to learn how to really how to manage clients, and also uh, just a general intro into the different tax entities. So you have the C-Corp, S-Corp partnership. And I did that for about five years. And then the last 15 years, I worked with a group in Montreal focusing in on USA R&D tax credits. And then I, I was lucky enough to work with a group out in California. So that was my commute, right? From Rhode Island to California about one weekend a month. And I would travel to California, and then I would travel up and down the West Coast, uh, Palo Alto, San Francisco, and and that was my uh, intro and my experience with a lot of the startup companies, all the software, and so up until that point, I was mostly with uh, manufacturing companies. Uh, so that was my intro into the into the software world. The summer of 2017, I decided to go on my own, and. In addition to working on my own, last year I joined a, 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 an exciting international group, FI Group, 
they're located in Paris, France. So I'm lucky enough to work with true uh, global companies with the RD credits and a couple of other tax incentives that we work with. No, that was a great introduction. Definitely makes sense. And uh, Eric I, is your son, if I remember right. So he he works with you and uh, does a lot of the, the legwork and setting things up and uh, making sure things get through or get, get done as well. Is that right? Yep. Right on. Yeah, a little less uh, exciting than my dad here, but uh, just just learning the ropes and, and following alongside him. Well, that's awesome. And I've, I've had an opportunity to work with my dad on several projects and different startups. And it's always a, a fun dynamic. Sometimes it can add a little bit of stress, but it also adds a lot more fun to it as well. So, yeah, definitely. well, maybe with that, let's uh, dive in for and chat a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the reason of area of expertise, which is tax credits. So before we get necessarily into specifics of R&D tax credits, maybe just help people understand a bit of what is a tax credit or why they're offered or why they might consider it kind of then we'll get into the specifics on the R and D side. No, that's definitely. So uh, like, it's almost like an ideal client that they invest in innovation, technology, new or improved products. And even without the client even knowing about the R and D credit, they were in survival mode. They mm-hmm. have to be one or two steps ahead of the competition. So even without the R and D credit, they're doing some things for themselves that they really need to do hire engineers, figure out uh, their current product that they have or software. So it's so interesting that the R&D credit should be almost like an afterthought. Before before we dive into R&D, let me back up just real quick, because tax credits, and you can correct me where I'm wrong, because I'm by far not an expert on it. I kind of or reasonably understand it but a tax credit is basically where the government has different qu- categories of qualifications that you can get reductions on your taxes such that they're saying hey either we'll give you a credit so you don't have to pay as much taxes or we'll reduce what you owe on your taxes because you qualify for different areas is that is that a fair kind of summary of what a tax credit is yeah it is and we always ask we use the 10 percent rule of thumb so if someone has a hundred thousand dollars of r&d expenses they'll get roughly a 10% or, or a $10,000 federal credit. It's almost equivalent to on a W-2, you have your federal withholding or you make your quarterly estimated payments. It's very mm-hmm. similar to that, yes. Okay, so if, in other words, if it's so backing that up just a little bit, tax credits, I should look and say, okay, there's a lot of different tax credits out there that can help me with my business. And so some of them can be, you know, if you're to look at personal tax returns, it can be, you make, you know, you have earned child income. You can, that would be a tax credit if you have so many kids, if you're a parent and depending on how you do that. Now, when you get into startups and small businesses, there's different ones and, you know, different kind of thing, but similar to the, you know, they have some of them that are for with COVID and that, that you can get for re, a deferral of how much you pay in the, you know, I think it's um, the credits for how much you pay maybe for unemployment, or you can have different credits or you pay for if you have, you know, different qualifications, one of which has been around for a little bit longer, certainly predates COVID, which is you keep referring to is R&D tax credit, which is a lot of times applicable for startups and small businesses that are doing R&D, which is research and development. So that's bringing or developing a product, figuring it out or researching it and then bringing it to market and they give a credit or for credit, depending on if you qualify for how you're able to do that development if you're incentivized basically companies that are trying to bring new products to market so maybe talk a little bit about kind of the 
you know, within R and D, because R and D can be bro- very broad, broadly used term within businesses too. It can everything from, you know, R and D. If you were to ask a restaurant, they're saying I'm developing a new recipe, to a you know technology company that's yeah. developing a new product, to maybe a medical company that's developing a new medical device. So when you look at kind of the R and D tax credit, what is things that what are things that qualifications that startups or small businesses should be considering? When should they start to look at it, and how do they or qualify? Right. Excellent. So I've actually nicknamed it the risk credit. Hmm. So somebody starts off with R&D, they think about the white, you know, the white coats and in an actual R&D research center. But if you, if you take a step back, really, it's a risk credit. So somebody's taking a risk on hiring an engineer or buying a new kind of product or they're trying to have innovation where there's a financial and technical risk where maybe it'll work out or maybe it will not. So people feel more comfortable. Oh, they don't really understand R&D, but risk, the risk tax credit, Michael, as you're nicknaming it, I feel more comfortable with that. So, so now you, you take that. And so my, my follow-up question to that is, so does any startup qualify me if I'm taking, because I mean, almost every startup takes some risk, right? In the sense that they're going, they're, they're going out on their own. They're going to start or invest, either take their own money and invest it, blood, sweat, and tears. They're going to do starting right. up. Would a restaurant, a mom and pop shop, a technology company, and a medical device company all qualify? Or are there some that qualify better than others? Right. So um, if they if they have uh, technical employees, so as you're going to find, we try to oversimplify everything. <laughs> so instead of going through the IRS four-part test and everything else, we start off with, is it a stable company? Is it stabilized? Is it making money? So we, we try to like circle the wagon. Do you have, by the way, do you have any engineers or a computer, uh, computer science specialists that work on your, and then I ask big questions like, well, why do you hire them? Oh, we hire them to solve our technical problems. And so really we try to convince them that they're involved with the R&D cycle. So, and it's just a matter of having a discussion like we're having today, ask the right type kind of questions. And that way there, we feel comfortable about the R&D level. And then they do as well. No, and I, I definitely think that makes sense. Now I'm gonna, I'll follow up with another question, which is, you know, if what are some of the company flipping the question almost a bit on his head? What are some of the companies you're saying you're going to have a difficult time qualifying, or you may want not want to consider it? It may not suit you well. So that, you know, what I'm trying to do is help. So you know, if you're a startup, you're saying, great, I can get a tax credit. Everybody right. wants tax credit. Nobody wants to pay ta- any more tax. <laughs> They'll, they want to pay the taxes their own because they don't want to get audited, but you don't want to pay more than you have to. But are there companies who are saying, yeah, if you're in this area or this area, you probably are going to have a difficult time or you may not you may not want to go down this route versus, hey, here's a sweet spot. It sounds certainly like you have engineers, software, technical people. That's an easier area. Are there ones that are more difficult to qualify on? Perfect. So let's first talk about the 100% non-qualifying client, Okay. They have no financial risk. They have no technical risk. They have no technical employees, like at all. And they've hired the right attorneys that have made sure that they take no risk at all. So the bottom line is heavy. Their tax liability is heavy. And I cannot help them out at all. All right. So now let's say, let's say I, I qualify for one of those. So I have risk. I'm putting in my own money. I'm putting my money or my savings at risk, but I don't have technical employees and I'm not solving a technical problem. 
Can you right. still qualify? Is it more difficult? Should you consider it, not consider it? You need to have that. T- and it was the last point you made. You have to be connected to the sciences, the hard sciences, engineering, software, physics, medical. You have to have some kind of a, uh, a hard science connected to that. So we're always trying to check the box and that would be put them in a, in a, in a, in a hard, I wouldn't be able to provide the credit really at all. They have to be connected to technology one way or another. So in other words, if, and not putting words in your mouth, but putting your words in your mouth, um, you have to have some sort of science technical or solving some sort of technical issue. Meaning really, if you're a mom and pop shop is opening up a, a small sur- or convenience store, even though you have some risk involved, probably not going to have the technical people. Same thing on a restaurant, unless you're like an Uber or, you know, somewhere where you have software, you have right. Uber Eats or, you know, some of those yeah. different ones, DoorDash and that, that do have a technical aspect. But if you're opening up a new restaurant, those are, are incredibly risky because a lot of them don't make it, but it doesn't have that technical aspect. On the flip side, if you're doing, whether it's software, you're doing electronics, you're doing some medical devices where it has some hard sciences to where you're going to have to invest with the, you know have employees or independent contractors or different individuals that are going to be doing a lot of that research and that development then you'd be a reasonable candidate now one question to follow up on that is it too early I meaning let's say i come up with the world's best idea for the next you know whatever device it is i'm going to create the next iphone that's going to just knock everybody's socks off of and i start my i get my llc or my s corp my c corp whichever it is set up tomorrow i go get i go get investment dollars and I hire 20 engineers can I can I and do it this year can I get started or when should I get started how early in the process or late in the process should I consider it it's probably the sooner the better the early planning stages there is some as far as the R&D credit you know as the IRS never lets us down right they want documentation they want evidence they want so you're better off starting it as soon as as soon as the R&D cycle starts out because the information's fresh, the project list is fresh, everything's right there. So, so to go, so right now this is 2021. For us to go back and do an R&D credit for 2019 and 18, the information gets diluted over time. Mm. So it's better off getting involved uh, early on. And uh, a couple of, uh, as far as the, st- the startup companies are really, are really uh, an ideal situation. So we have a general definition of a startup. But the IRS has a startup where they have a five-year rule. Year one, two, three, four, and five will uh, create the R&D credit, and they can check the box and elect to use the uh, R&D credit against payroll taxes. Okay. Now, so, now another, and I'm just kind of a lot of different questions that I'm anticipating people would have. Does yeah. it necessarily matter if you have whether it's an employee and it's you know 1099 employee versus an independent contractor versus a part-time for full-time? Do those matter as far as the IRS are qualifying for the credit, as far as which type of employees you might have? No, and that's a, that's a great point. So uh, if they, they can have employees or they can have contractors, you know, we go through the interview process the same exact way. You get, they get the bigger, the bigger bang for the buck with the W-2 wage earners, but the startup, they have so many things to worry about and hiring somebody is usually low on the list, right? Mm-hmm. So they have outside contractors, they pay them a 1099, and that could also provide the R&D credit for them as well. Okay. So in other words, it, while a 1099 might be a bit easier, you could certainly, even if you have independent contractors or other arrangements with employees, you could still qualify. 
one other question that comes up and then I'll hit on or one of my or questions I like, which is intellectual property. But before I hit there, let's say I've been doing an R&D project for two or three years and I just heard this podcast episode or I just found out about your specialty or any number of things. Can you go back and recapture some of that credits or is it only moving forward? Meaning, hey, I've been doing this for two or three years. I didn't realize I qualified. Is there any way to recapture that or is it more, hey, now that I know about it, I can capture it going forward? Yep. No, great. So, you know, even like an individual tax return, you have to, you have three years from when you filed it to go back and amend. Mm-hmm. And that's what really opens up the opportunity to go back for the prior years. So the answer is yes. Yes, definitely go back if it's available. And part of the planning is to really figure out that whole net benefit. You know, it's one thing to do the credit for the prior years. There could be an audit risk that has to be managed and understood as well. It's so much easier to do it in the current year where the audit risk is, I think, less than one or 2% for the R&D tax credit. The prior years, it's somewhat of a, it's not an audit risk, but it's a flag item. You're amending return for one reason for the R&D tax credit. But if you burn the R&D expenses and you burn the R&D credit, you're nothing to hide. It's definitely uh, worthwhile. Okay. For sure. Now, one one additional follow-up, and we chatted a bit about it, and certainly an area that I that I I'm a bit biased towards, which is intellectual property. And I think you talked about that as one of the places that it helps to qualify, or you can show sure. or you can show that as part of the R and D. Is that right? Yeah, it's so true. And the IRS would have they have a safe tax harbors, and they have it for the R and D credit, and they only have two, and one of them is the intellectual property. So we can, it's not required to have intellectual property, but if you're involved with R&D activity and some of the activity is connected to intellectual property, it's a safe tax harbor. The IRS will lightly review everything because the, uh, it's so much more difficult to get IP than it is to have IR, to, uh, uh, sorry, uh, R&D. So if we can make that connection um, between the R&D and the IP, it's a really nice, secure way to, to have the credit, and you're building a very easy audit file. Okay. A lot of advantages so, having IP. All right, awesome. Well, that's just another reason to get intellectual property because it makes the audit audit uh, trail all the easier if you ever get audited, and also it substantiates it. So. Just for everybody listening, go get as much IP. No, I'm just kidding. I was going to say go get as much IP as you can, but do it. Do it as it makes sense. So, so now talking a little bit, we've kind of gone through a bit of what the I or what the tax credit is, some of the qualifications, what you might consider. Now, you know, you've done this for a period of time, and you've also full disclosure to the audience. You've you've done it for us as well for one of my companies, and it was a, a great experience. But you know, as you do it, you, you mentioned a little bit. We talked a little bit about different companies you helped, and that gives an example. Is that you know. Is it, hey, this is going to save me a few hundred dollars to hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars or kind of what should they anticipate? And is it worthwhile in their, for a startup or small businesses time to put in the time? Because it does take a little bit of time and expense. You want to make sure to keep the audit trail. You want to make sure to substantiate it. You don't want to just put your, uh, th- you know, put your finger up in the air and make a guess, but you want to actually have it substantiated. So give us a, people a bit of an idea of kind of what or what they might be looking at as far as why it might be worthwhile. Yeah, maybe we can just go through a couple of a quick uh, case studies. So working with a, a manufacturing group out in California and uh, 2020 was actually year number seven. So we provided a, a really a very, very good R&D tax credit. It was federal and state. So California has, has a strong state credit as well. And I believe the credit was about $40,000. Mm-hmm. 
There's about 25 federal in the rest of California. And it's very humbling engagement where they, they were gonna use that RD credit as a reason to hire someone. So that's really to have to provide the credit, not only to save taxes, but to justify hiring somebody else. It, you know, it's very meaningful to us. Another case study is with a, a software company that was year number three. And they're a C Corp, they had net operating losses, so we're able to do the RD credit for 2020, 19, and 18. And with special rules the IRS has, we just reported all three years of RD credit on the 2020 tax return. So in that, that case, they did not have to amend, you know, okay. at all. So I think the credit was a little bit higher there. They hired about 20, over 20 software engineers, and that the credit was, I think it was over, it was over two hundred thousand dollars. Definitely worth uh, worth the savings and worth a little bit of effort to do that. So now, if people were to, you know, they're they're thinking about it. Help them understand. So full disclosure, you know, you're you're also we're setting you up as uh, people may have have caught. uh, We're uh, doing what's called the strategy on demand sessions, where they can, you know, get a half an hour of you guys' time to kind of talk through, see if they qualify and what makes sense. But let's say they come and they, you know, they sit down with you for half an hour, kind of chat through what they have going on, see if they lines up and makes sense. They do that through the strategy on demand or otherwise connect up with you, you know, as far as I'm, I'm a big proponent of, you know, transparency and cost, how much it's going to cost up front, all of Miller IP law stuff. You can go on our website and you can see exactly what our flat fees are, what everything costs. So if they were to approach you and they say, Hey, you know, I assume you guys don't want to do it for free for everybody. I'm sure everybody would love it, but I assume that you actually guys want to stay in business and make money yourself. So people were to say, okay, what is this going to cost me? And kind of how long does it generally take? Kind of what are those two uh, criteria? Well, that's great. So we really have really two sets of clients. One that's not only new to us, but they're new to our new credit. So with them, we'll, uh, uh, we'll typically uh, start off with maybe, maybe, a, uh, maybe a 20% fee. Okay, so we're almost like a finder fee. We try to come up with maybe a 20% fee of whatever that net benefit is. But we try to move like the very next year into a flat fee. All right, so there's no sticker shock. There's no element of surprise at all. Then we have our other clients that have already, they're familiar with the RD credit and they're already familiar with a different kind, a different kind of a pricing structure. So we'll ask about that. If we're able to duplicate that, then, then we'll do that as well. Okay, so it sounds like uh, there's a couple different options. If they're already fairly familiar with it, you guys will set up at what would be a fair reasonable price for the people that are new to it or otherwise you end. Usually year one, there's a, a percentage that you'll take. Afterwards, it'll move to a flat fee. Is that about right? Yep, and then we also have, it's a little bit corny, but we always talk about, we want to take the journey with them, especially for the startups. If, they're, if the money's a little bit tight and the credit, they don't utilize the credit in year number one and you have to do a carry forward, then we want to have that discussion. So we want to have our deliverable, want to have our fee, but the actual payment, we, we want to have a lot of uh, flexibility with that. If they're going to use it two or three years down the road, we'll take that journey with them. We don't want to, we don't, we don't want them to worry about paying us. We want to, it's more important to get that R&D reported as currently as possible and just contribute that way. Okay, perfect. Makes definitely makes sense. And now, a lot. I think the last question, maybe or maybe not. I always say a last question. I always have more <laughs> questions. 
But if, or one of the last questions, and maybe I should start saying one of the last questions, that works better, um, is, you know, as far as the length of the process, are they looking at, you know, if they were new to it, they hadn't gone through it before, are they looking at a day, a week, a month, a year, kind of how long should they anticipate kind of, or how many hours or whatever is a fair way to measure it as far as going through the process with you guys? Wonderful. We try to do a four to six, four to uh, six weeks. So week one and two is exchange of information. Week three and four, some interviews really are coming up with like a draft calculation. And then week five and six, we want to review our calculation, convert it from a draft to a final, have a, a, a report. So we like to say we want to, we want to just visit them. We don't want to really move in with them. So we want to have a start date and an end date. So they can actually check the box. Hey, Mike and Eric did a great job. The already credit's all done. And then we want them to move along with their lives, with their operation and everything else here. So that's how we try to do it. Four to six weeks. I definitely makes sense. And yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I'm guessing that as, as much as people don't typically, although I hope I'm the exception, don't want to go see a lawyer. Typically, my experience is they don't like accounts and tax people any better because they're wanting to focus on the things <laughs> that find fun and the thing that's exciting for them. So I think that that's definitely a, a reasonable time frame. And uh, when we went through with one of my business with you guys, it was a fairly non-invasive. It wasn't an overly burdensome and it was a fairly quick and easy process. And so definitely would recommend it. Well, as we wrap up, you know, and, and I always ask one question at the end of each expert episode, and we're kind of reaching that now, which is if, you know, with the R&D tax credit, if they, if you could, if you're talking to someone that's in a startup or a small business, and they only could take one step to get closer to getting going, aside from talking to you guys, which I'm sure would be the first step, but if they're to start say, hey, I just want to take a look at this, I want to understand it, I want to get going, what would be the one piece of advice or one action item that you give them to start getting things kicked off? That there's, there's, a, there's a 10% payback based on their R&D expenses. So they, they think their last step is, you know, running the payroll, hiring an employee, coming out with a product. We want to create the other last step, which is let's take a look at your expenses. Maybe, maybe beyond just having an expense on, a, on your profit and loss, we can convert that into an R&D tax credit. Let's, let's stop the planning. If we can use it for the payroll tax credit, That'd be great, or else against income taxes. So, so we do a lot of planning, phone calls, exchange information. So, and I would also want to say that we use uh, technology. We do a lot of Zoom and teleconference. We record a lot of our discussions and our interviews. Every single thing we do is to save time for the client. Awesome. Well, I definitely, I'm sure they definitely appreciate that as, as like, as, as everybody always has more things to do than time to do it. So that, that's awesome. So yes. well, as we wrap up, definitely one option that people, if they want to reach out, they can go through the strategy on demand, they can sign up there. If they want to reach out to you directly or otherwise find out more about you guys or anything of that nature. What's the best way to find out more, reach out to you guys or otherwise get in, get involved. Yep. They, they can uh, contact Eric. Yeah. Probably either uh, usually LinkedIn LinkedIn's always good, um, pretty active on there. And then our website as well, algorithmtaxgroup.com. 
All right. Well, I definitely pe- encourage people to either check you guys out on LinkedIn, make those connections, go to algorithmtaxgroup.com or uh, use strategy on demand. Any which will uh, make sure to help you get those tax credits. Well, thank you guys for both coming on. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure. And I don't, most people don't usually say that when you talk about taxes because it's usually <laughs> not but a pleasure, but I've been enjoyed having you guys on and appreciate all the expertise you guys have shared. Definitely um, an area where I think people can have some savings and benefit their business. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have either expertise you'd like to share or a journey you'd like to share on the podcast, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the podcast. Two more things if you're a listener. One, um, if if you uh, are a listener, make sure to click on... uh, subscribe on your podcast player so you can get notifications as all of our awesome episodes come out and to leave us a review so new people can find out about the podcast last but not least if you ever need help with your patents trademarks or anything else reach out to us at miller ip law by going to strategymeeting.com we're always here to help thank you again both of you and uh wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last okay thank you same to you same to you